Welcome to the Whole Church Podcast, your favorite church unity podcast, probably. If you want to hear from pastors, professors, and everything in between, right, sure. And, you know, the occasional train talk. Right, right, yeah. Uh, have we got the podcast for you? All right, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. I'm your host, Savior Who Is Like God Christmas. And uh, here is your co host, By the River Tiber. God is gracious. Mm. Yeah. I'd just go straight to the meetings now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, of course. I, I just like that Michael is, who is like God, found that out recently, and I was like, huh, my full name technically means Savior, who is like God, Christmas. You got, you got to pause before you say Christmas. It makes it more fun. So, if you've lost track, this is Joshua Knoll, and I'm TJ. I'm TJ Swan. <laughs> but, uh, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Yeah. Uh, TJ's gonna beg now. So, so we need, uh, we need y'all's help as usual. Uh, there are several things that we need, such as people to design graphics for us to use on our different pages. Uh, we need you to support us on Patreon. We need you to strongly consider it. <laughs> okay. So we, we, yeah, we need cover photos for our Facebook and SoundCloud. We're looking for a new theme music for our intro. Um, we need a new computer, audio editing software. We have a lot of needs. Uh, if you know of anyone who can help us, you can go that way. Um, also, shares help a lot. It actually saves us money if you guys share. We don't have to advertise at all, hopefully. And um, also, you can support us financially with any of those needs or with um, advertisement. And uh, the way you can support us financially is through Patreon, like he was saying. And it's just patreon.com. Forward slash the whole church podcast. Right. Yeah. So, uh, with that being said, we're going to jump into our iceberg question. We're here with uh, Chandler Goodrich. And uh, Chandler, you want to say hi? Hello, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, that, that was the iceberg question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, no, no, no. We, uh, today we're going to ask, uh, and we're, we're going to go first, but it's uh, if you could live in any Disney movie, which one would it be and why? Not what's your favorite. Well, my favorite is Pirates of the Caribbean, but I would, I would never choose to live in that. That would be awful. I would die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Also, I'd get scurvy. Yeah, probably. Oh, you little brute. Good question. Okay. Um, so, I, I could live in any yeah. movie. You, go ahead. I think I would choose, um, I think I would choose Tarzan, because then I could run into people that speak English, but then I could also live in the jungle. I mean, how awesome is that? It's also my favorite of all the, the Disney Renaissance movies. It's uh, it's super cool. They use deep canvas for the first time in Tarzan. And uh, that's, if you don't know what deep canvas is, it's a software they used to generate the tree trunks that he slid on. That's why they looked so real. Because Tarzan's 2D model was sitting on them. And they were computer generated. Which and then me. they gave that software some, uh, uh, and then they gave that software some steroids and came out with Treasure Planet. Which brings me to my answer. <laughs> <laughs> I would choose Treasure Planet for sure. Yeah, I'm actually kind of regretting my decision. I, I kind of want to live in Treasure Planet. <laughs> yeah, Treasure Planet's just well, my favorite Disney movie and by far the coolest. It's this all alternate reality where space is just like Earth's atmosphere. Except they can sail on with their <laughs> rocket sea ships. They can breathe the air. It's awesome. But black holes still exist. 
stars, you can just sail yeah. past them. It's crazy. And Deep Canvas is the reason they decided that movie should fail. It cost them a ton of money to use that much. Yeah, it is a pretty big conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the truth. Yeah, Disney intentionally failed Treasure Planet. Yeah. But they might make a live action version, so it could be. But that's, that's not the point of this episode, even though it could be. Oh, yeah, we could put a. about that for a while. If I could go with TJ, I would do Treasure Planet also. Right. So everyone chooses Treasure Planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, if, I, if I'm stuck on my own, I want to visit the Hundred Acre Woods. Oh. Yeah, I'm going to hang out with Pooh, eat some honey, farm with Rabbit for a while, jump with Tigger, have a good time, you know. In my student recital this year, I got to play Winnie the Pooh in a reader's theater adaptation of The Unbouncing Tigger. That sounds it fast. It so, so fun. <laughs> huh. I, uh, one of my favorite, like, world religion books is The Tao of Pooh, where they explain Taoism from Winnie the Pooh. Because Pooh <laughs> is the expert at doing nothing, which is a big thing in Taoism. Learning how to do nothing. Until he gets distracted by the hunger for honey. Yeah, they don't, they don't talk about that. It's fine. <laughs> That's my yeah. character, Paul. Everyone <laughs> yeah. has one. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, yeah. Not a big deal. Because it's just one of the seven. Yeah, the moral of the story is if you're Taoist, you should just take up Winnie the Pooh as your Jesus and be good. Yeah, that's what the book says. <laughs> or just not be Taoist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, no. I, should, are we allowed to pick on all the religions? Is that okay? No, that's not against church unity, is it? Yeah, it might be. Uh, hmm. So let's get into the real question. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, first thing I want to ask, because we're, we're talking about theater and stuff, why do people who come to a podcast to listen about church unity, why do they care about theater? Well, um, it's not so much theater as it is drama. Um, if you read the Bible at all, which if you're a Christian, you know, that's fundamental. You should be. <laughs> yeah, it's a small thing. Just look at it and think about everything you're reading. How much drama is there in the Bible already? I mean, if you look at what, um, Moses bringing children of Israel out of Egypt, how much drama is there? He grew up in Pharaoh's household. Yeah. Killed someone. Well, that's, um... And then ran away and lived in the land of Canaan. And then he, out of nowhere, is called by God and is spoken to by God out of a burning bush that is not being destroyed by the fire that is burning and is called to lead his people out of Egypt. And then we get the story behind the Passover and we get him leading them to the Red Sea, God parting it and it's staying parted while he's holding up his arms. I mean, just really just thinking about the the amazement of everything yeah. that is written that is drama the bible is dramatic from the very beginning to the very end it is so dramatic 
Yeah. yeah. And that's, um, I'm going to talk about, you know, drama as it relates to the Bible. Um, because, I mean, that's literally where it comes from. That is, that is my, uh, philosophy of drama. Yeah. And that's, um, just backtrack a little bit, but, um, yeah, sorry, backtrack first. But I had, that's a few questions. But, um, first off, I know we talked about it before the podcast, but those listening might not know, you graduated in, uh, from a art school. I can't remember exactly what you said, but can we catch everybody up on your history with the subject? Okay. Um, well, I've kind of, ever since I was a kid, I've always been interested in, uh, movies and storytelling. Um, ever since I was three, you know, some of my earliest memories are enjoying watching films and television shows and things like that. And I just kind of, you know, just gravitated to it. Um, and then when we started doing plays in church, I was like, oh, there's a way we can re- use that. This is, this is great. And then eventually, you know, flash forward to high school, that's when I first got into film. And to graduate from high school, one of the, one of the things I made for my senior project was a short action film. It's the very first movie I ever made. It was truly awful, but I had such a blast making it and I learned a lot and then after that I graduated from uh, Spartanburg Methodist College with an Associate of Fine Arts uh, but my Fine Arts degree was focused on theater and then a year later I started attending the Academy of Arts Christian Conservatory where I majored in film and media but I didn't only have my hands on a camera or anything like that um, I was taking acting classes with the theater students, you know, your average classroom size in a college, our student body was probably less than that. There, there have been maybe anywhere from 19 to 20 something of us. Um, and while we were taking classes, we were also being involved in professional stage productions. I mean, we were doing we were doing things like, uh, not a lot of plays that you may have heard of, but there are some. Um, a lot of them based in reality, some based on, uh, products that you, you're very familiar with. I did everything from, you know, The Chronicles of Narnia to a play about, um, the Norwegian resistance, um, during World War II. That was cool. Yes, yes, it was, it was quite fun. Um, and I've done one called Radium Girls. Yeah. And that was, that was about, you know, when people were discovering that, uh, certain compounds, uh, in, I think there was a, a glue they were using or whatever to glue certain pieces together in, in this, this factory that was in America. It's actually, it's an American story. And, they didn't realize that radium was like radium was a uh, an ingredient of it, and they didn't realize that it was causing you know major problems. Yeah, people were getting radiation poisoning from it, um, and the company was not you know paying out to treat these patients. So there was big lawsuits going on and things like that, and 
you know, a lot of deep, deep stories, but a lot of that, uh, that were, you know, based biblically. Um, I got to be in, in a play that was about the, the book of Esther. And that was, uh, and when I went back and read the book of Esther, it was, it was like being on stage again. Um, because doing a biblical play, you know, you're not given every single detail of every conversation that was given, but you try your best as a writer to write and make sure that what you write does match as much as you can according to the actions that happened in the Bible, that are recorded in the Bible. Oh, yeah. We, um, um, yeah, with the book of Esther, I actually, if, which we talked about the Bible as literature a few times on podcast before, especially with the episode with um, Peter Rams. What's that scholarly talk? Yeah. Yeah. But um, in the book of Esther, I remember whenever we did, I did a class at UNCW called The Bible as Literature. And um, when we were studying what literary irony is, and you look through the book of Esther, it's like, oh, this is the most blatant example of literary irony possible. It's beautiful. Which I assume translates into what you're talking about with theater. It's kind of the same thing, right? Oh yeah, yeah, sort of. Um, but the the big thing behind what we do at the Academy of Arts is, you know, it's the philosophy behind it. Um, the cool thing about acting, and I think for a while it was a misnomer that, you know acting is worldly and that anything like movies and TV shows. No, it is. We're, we're just doing this podcast trying to get you saved. not of God or anything like that, but it, drama as a tool for ministry is great. And it is, it is uh, very important to distinguish it as, as not entertainment, although it can be, entertaining it sometime and you can get some entertainment value from it but mainly it is to make the bible come alive that is the idea of drama as it relates to the bible it comes i personally believe that it comes from it because when you read the stories i mean there's so much drama in there um and It's very, it's very important to know that it is, that something, it is not of Satan. From the very beginning of the world, what does Genesis 1-1 say? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So God is creative. That is a part of his nature, to be creative. Because he is the creator. And see how that would make sense. Yeah, I guess no one really thinks about it, but you kind of have to be creative if you created everything. I guess. Yeah, (laughs) makes sense. Yeah, it really, it really is crazy. And how did he create? He spoke the world into existence. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. That is what acting that is the principle that the academy of arts bases are acting on um their philosophy of acting comes from that you know it is true you know for out of the abundance of the heart and the mouth speak it how you how do you get an abundance 
well, you have to think. It comes from the thought first, and then you act it out, and then you speak. So think, act, speak is the is the um, is the principle. And another one that is that is very important: acting is the art of reacting. And that's something that you know even Stella Adler and Stanislavski, when they created their you know acting methods that a lot of actors study today, uh, most of them do, in fact. Um, they said that. Acting is reacting. That's what it is. So when you read, I would encourage you to just give your due diligence to just react to what is going on. React to what you are reading. This, and it's good yeah. no matter what you're reading, honestly. Makes books yeah. mean more. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I'm uh as a Specifically, I was talking about the Bible. I'm sorry, I didn't specify that. Um, but next time you read the Bible, take a moment to react. Take a moment to just react to what is happening. Think about it. Try and picture it in your head. A good. Uh, that, we just did our denominations youth retreat. Uh, I worked as sports staff, and they had me teach a bunch of the kids about how to take note when you're reading the Bible, how to journal. And uh, that is, uh, that counts as reacting, right? If you're not yeah, definitely creatively blessed, you can write down the thoughts that come to your head, and that's a great way to read the Bible. It'll help you understand more, that usually. Is, that is meditation on the Word. Right. And, you know, acting, for me, is, is meditation in motion. If you are... Because, you know, Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt see good success. Yeah. Well, that's where... Um... So, taking notes, acting it out. I mean, I personally take notes in my script um, when I'm reading. Because you can't pick up on that stuff unless you, you you can't pick up on the on the subtext unless you are really thinking on it and looking at the flow of the story. You know, people don't always say what they mean. Yeah. Well, that's where um, oh, we we've had Don Whitney on the podcast before too, and uh, his his book, one of his books, is Spiritual Disciplines. He talks about uh, journaling. And how, you know, it's taking the time to react to the text and kind of internalize it. And uh, you talk about, like, all books are really a conversation. The author is talking to you, and how you react to it completes the conversation, which is why a lot of people think it's good to write notes in books, even though a lot of people think it's kind of like blasphemy, whatever. I think it's great if you get one of the journaling Bibles with, like, a little note side on the section, because most books... You know, you write a note in, you can't talk back to the author. Not really. You just get his side. You could have your side, but he doesn't hear it. Yeah, but he doesn't. He can't react. With the Bible, even though it's written by all these different people, and there's all the redactor hypothesis and all that other stuff, ultimately God's the author. He does actually hear what you have to say when you react to it. So, it's important stuff. So, not just in journaling and acting like what you're talking about. Whatever we do, it's important to react. Especially if you really believe it's coming from God, 
Don't let God be the only one talking in the conversation. Yeah. But with no one that, likes that. it's also important to make sure that your reactions are are true to the word um, because the word says to bring every thought into captivity before God. And we are, we are humans. We are not perfect beings because of Adam and Eve's decision to not only disobey God, but put the blame on someone else and not take responsibility for their actions. We are imperfect. That is the reason we die and our lives are temporary. We have to make sure that we are not only thinking of ourselves when we, when we do this. That's why the word of God says to bring every thought into captivity before God. So when I, when I act, when I interpret a, a script dramatically, I'm always praying that I, that I have the thoughts of the character, not only that, but help me learn from the character. Because sometimes, you know, you have to play evil characters. And it's like, how do you do that? Well, evil characters are basically doing what they think is right. But that doesn't mean if you're playing an evil character that you need to think what they're doing is right. You need to understand how they are thinking, understand that it is wrong, and understand where that character fits into the story, and give it its due diligence, and you have to make sure that you are learning something from that, and that you are trusting God not to lead your mind in the wrong direction. Yeah, well, even with that, I would think getting in the mind of an evil character and being able to play that could allow you to see the evil in yourself and potentially better yourself. Right. You realize, oh, crap, I I, I kind of do that sometimes. Yeah. And every now and then I was a faucet drop down into a <laughs> trick. <laughs> so if you start aligning yourself to play an evil character and you find yourself thinking, that's exactly how I would react to that situation. Uh, maybe it's a good time to look at yourself and yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the other spiritual disciplines is um, prayer and meditation. Uh, you might you might need to practice that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. So with you know you talk a lot about trauma in the Bible. Um. Yeah, I don't I don't know what this question is supposed to be, DJ. <laughs> what do you well? So. <laughs> You mentioned something about Song of Songs earlier. Oh, do, you, do I get to jump to that? Yes. Oh, man, I enjoy this. So, I, I really enjoy anything that's like the theories of who wrote the Bible and who redacted it, put it together, and all that. I, I enjoy all of that. And um, a common one with Song of Songs, which, given all of the different archaeological evidence and yada, 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 not to bore everybody, but, uh, does look like Song of Songs is written as a Greek play. Very, like, the way it's written, it's, you know, this is his line, this is her line, it's already staged that way. What are your thoughts on Song of Songs? That is a fantastic question. It's a very um, theatrical book. 
I am not, I am not surprised because that's one I'm actually I'm still studying and I'm trying to learn more about it. But um, the Song of Songs was written by Solomon, uh, the son I, of I David. hugely disagree, but continue. And David wrote a lot of the Psalms, and if you read those. Just the poetic imagery that he uses is amazing. And then you come to Solomon, his his heir, who inherited all of Israel at a young age. He was given wisdom, and that's how we get the Proverbs. And then in Ecclesiastes, you get more of a reflection of what happened after he made, you know, all the mistakes that he had made um, in his in his reign. And then you come to Song of Solomon, and that is that is really fascinating. I've I've heard people talk about it like, you know, it is a picture of how God pursues us. That he wasn't. It wasn't just something that, you know, he's high and mighty and decided, oh, I think I'll just bear some mercy on these people. No, he was moved by love. And God so loved us. You know, I think I've heard, for God so loved the world, in one of those Bible verses. Yeah, it's in in there. Yeah. One of those ones. (laughs) I think I've read that somewhere. Yeah. Um, But... Just focusing on the first part of that, God so loved the world. He so loved us. And we can see a picture of the love that God has for us in Song of Solomon. We see it take many different different routes. You know, love doesn't have this one flavor. One fruit has nine different flavors. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All of that comes comes into play. Yeah. That's interesting that you see it as Solomon. I I very much think it it really does read like a Greek play. I've always been in the camp of it was written more in the Greek times. They kind of use Solomon as a character, but it is it is interesting just the way all of it unfolds and how different people view it all and how it comes together. But yeah, Song of Songs is a great book. Either way, it's oh, yeah. fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So, so we also want to talk about how uh, the church and the theater relate to one another. Even so much as, you know, best friends. Yeah, they're best friends. Uh, everyone, every church that we've been to, that I've been to at least, has a drama team. My favorite church on Broadway. Right, of course. But, uh, even the church Chandler and I go to, we were always in our dramas. Y'all go to the same church? Yeah, we we go to the same church. But, uh, how does that relate to the theater and how does, Theater related church. Okay. Well, that is also a very good question. 
Um, I think we uh, before we can get into that, we have to discuss the fact that drama is not a thing of the world. It comes from God. Acting, even, comes from God. There are biblical examples of acting. In fact, a great one um, that my teacher taught me is in Second Samuel, chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. This was you know, when David was trying to decide what to do about Absalom, should he execute him or not, or should he spare his son, should he, you know, lay the law down, or should he have mercy on his child? Should he do that? So, Joab was trying to to make him see what's going on and make a right decision. So in verse 2 it says, And Joab sent Tekoah and fetched a wise woman. And then there's a parenthetical, a woman of above average understanding of life and law. And he said unto her, I pray thee, feign thyself to be a mourner. Feign means, you know, put on, act. And put on now mourning apparel. That's putting on a costume. And anoint thyself with oil. That's putting on makeup. <laughs> so she would look like the character. And be as a woman that had a long time mourned for the dead. She was to become the character. And he gave her direction. That's directing. And come to the king. She was to assume the actions of the character. That's the act. And speak on this manner unto him. Think, act, speak. Speak as a character would speak. So Joab put the words in her mouth. That is giving her a script. She rehearsed it until she could say it word for word and say it convincingly. So she was, she was given the part. And then... She plays that character convincingly. She focuses on the thoughts of the characters. And this is this is a big thing. Um, some people can cry on stage. Some people can't. Um, I've learned that in order to show good emotion, you don't focus on having emotions. You focus on thoughts. You don't get emotion from emotion. You don't get emotional from emotion. You get emotional from thoughts that stir within you. And... You think on them, and they have an effect on you. That is where the emotion comes in. That's where the act comes in. It is allowing, fighting for thoughts and trusting, trusting in God to help you portray that emotionally. And then she spoke, um, and she was able to convince David that her story was real. And the the key thing about this story is that related directly to his situation. And from that, he was moved. And he made decrees, and he was able to set aside the law to have mercy on one soul. And then she takes the time to reveal herself. 
and Joab comes out. And he realizes what happened. And Joab relates it directly to his situation after. And he makes, but since he's already made the decree, he can't take it back. His word is final. So, drama, acting, literally acting, was used to show a major decision being made about do you uphold the law or do you be realistic and have mercy on your child? Well, and then, uh, because Jesus did a sort of acting, I guess. It was, um, I can't think of the verse or anything, but when the woman, I believe the Samaritan, came to him and was asking for, you know, a, a blessing or healing or whatever, and Jesus was like, yeah, but you're just a dog to me. Like, straight up calls this lady a dog. And she goes, okay, but even dogs deserve the scratch from the table. Like, Jesus was testing her. He was like, all right, let's see. Let's see how humble she really is. If I treat her the way the other Jews treat them. And then she said that, and he was like, yeah, your humility's earned this, and kind of bestows blessings on her. So even Jesus kind of did that, right? Like, where he was like, let's play along. Let's see where people's heart really is. And kind of yeah. did a little bit of method acting on the spot there with that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that that's another thing I want to talk about, because method acting i don't believe you know that that was something that um can't remember who came up with it i just learned it recently um that's fine we don't know either but it's coming <laughs> with uh the method um what a lot of people call method acting is the i the way it applies is you break yourself down and rebuild yourself up as the character. So you convince yourself in your mind that you are the character. But I think that's really unhealthy. And Keith Ledger would like to agree with you. If you notice what, um, going back to that example in Second Samuel, what she did wasn't necessarily break herself down and rebuild herself as a, a woman in mourning. The wise woman from Tekoa was still her. She is still herself, but she dwelled on the thoughts of the character, studied the script, focused on thought, and let her, and then she, she portrayed that. She thought, she acted, and she speaks. She did not, and spoke. She did not break herself down and rebuild herself as a different, completely different person. I think that is really mentally unhealthy. I've seen a lot of actors have mental breakdowns on set because of that. And I just, I think it's important to, the idea is to temporarily become. You know, when the scene is over, you don't have to live in that world anymore. It's over. The wise woman from Tekoa did not do that. She did not live in the scene after the scene was done. That being said, if Disney cast me as an ex-Captain Jack Sparrow, I, I, 
I am going to continue to live in that world. I won't leave. If I get to be James Pleiades Hawkins in the live-action remake of Treasure Planet, then I, I think I will continue living in Treasure Planet. But that's <laughs> not directly <laughs> related to what you're saying. Um, and that also brings uh, me to the idea that when you think of movies, what's a good movie you saw recently Treasure or Planet. think of? When you think good movies, Treasure Planet. Okay. Why don't you think of something that was made by, say, you know, the Kendrick Brothers? I don't know. The guys who made Facing the Giants, Fireproof. I can't answer know. that because I don't like either of those movies. I like, <laughs> there was one movie I did that I enjoyed. I almost not enjoyed it that much. Face and Giants. Yeah, the, not great. It was good. The thing I want to get to is why do we remember the movies that Hollywood puts out, but we don't think of those movies as, you know, Christian film or Christian theater as, you know, talented? Why don't we, why don't we think? And I think it's because is because of writing. I think writing is something that is that is fundamental to learn. Um, and the more you learn about writing, the more you realize it's related to the other departments of drama. It's related to acting. It's related to directing. Because writing is acting with a pen, pretty much. Nice, yeah. I you am. are, you are making those characters live, but you, you also have to remember that they are people, that they have their own voice. And so you need to give them that because God makes us all individually. I can never be a Joshua Knoll or a TJ Blackwell, but you guys could never be a Chandler Goodrich. Oh yeah. <laughs> because God makes us all individually. I, uh. We have something to provide to the kingdom of God that nobody else can. No, I feel or like they can, not in the same way that you do it. Yeah. I feel like in the Christian movie world, uh, what usually happens is someone has the vision of a movie, but not the writing skill to make it what it needs to be. I, That's yes, just my perspective. I actually had this conversation with my good friend Mark yesterday. Really? Almost the exact same conversation. Yeah. We were actually, we were comparing Narnia to Lord of the Rings. And why Lord of the Rings is so much more thought of, better thought of. I think he used the term regal. That's good. Yeah. It sounds like Mark. Yeah. But his, um, our our, our thought was, which I kind of like let it trickle over into a lot of this stuff. Lewis was, obviously I love C.S. Lewis. But he's not as subtle at all. It's, yeah, yeah, here's a nice story. Here's the Christian part. The main character will die and come back again and save everyone. <laughs> you know, it's a very, it, it's in your face. If you're not looking well, that, for Christian doctrine, um, if Narnia is good. Books, you'll notice that, you know, I, I've heard it mentioned that it, it's, it's written in the book because I haven't read the books. I've just done oh, adapted should. plays. But yes, yes, I definitely want to. Um, but Aslan says in one of them that he goes by another name in Peter's world. Yeah. 
which yes. is basically saying he's not a representation of Jesus, but he is literally Jesus in another world. Yeah, yeah. he did a lot of that. He so did a space trilogy that was pretty much intentionally like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Aslan meant to play the role of Jesus and God. And I think it, it doesn't make it a better or worse story than Lord of the Rings, but I do think if you're not looking for Christian doctrine, Narnia hits you in the face, and you might not like it. Whereas Lord of the Rings still presents Christian doctrine, but it's subtle enough. But at that the it same time, extremes. why does it, doesn't it hit push them in the head? away? Yeah, it doesn't. It's, it's, it's so on the. Well, and I think that's the same thing in current day movies. You know, you, you look at cartoons. Um, VeggieTales is not as well thought of as Frozen. However, the people who worked on Frozen, close friends with Phil Vischer, also Christian, and they say the reason that Frozen did it the way it did is they wanted to show that agape love is more powerful than the romantic love. Wow. And they made that yeah. point without beating you over the face with the Bible. And you know what? They were able to make the point, make a good movie, and everybody still loves it. I think that's, that's what happens thing. more times than not. The movies that are subtly Christian are the ones that people like. Yeah. It's, well, that's the thing, though. If you read the Bible, yes, at some at some points it does feel like a little hits you over the head, but... Yeah, they see Jesus a lot. So honestly, if you just think and put... It's like, you know, putting the drama back into it, using your imagination to put the drama back in that's already there mm-hmm. to bring it out. You don't see a lot of stuff with with certain decisions. It almost seems like people followed immediately without questioning it. But I think again that that might also play into the way we read it. So like I'm always very specific on you know reading. If you're going to read the Bible, you know, put some drama into it. Yeah. Well, and also what I think when Stephen Bible- was getting stoned, you know what this process of stoning is? It's not having a bunch of people throw rocks at you. They take you outside the city, they push you into a pit that is about 20 feet deep at least. And if you survive that, they will take stones the size of your head and just drop them on you. Yeah. That's that actually, is stoning. An interesting thing to me. When Stephen was going through that, this verse, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Uh, no. He was probably either screaming it, or he could have been trying to just hold on to life. Maybe a little angry, probably fighting the the desire to just curse them. You know, anybody who hits us, what we want to hit them back, but mm-hmm. choosing yeah. not to, that is that is strength. Yeah, that well, is a lot of like Christian media today. They make the movie, the TV show itself Christian, if that makes sense. I mean, it's a big difference from the Bible. You know, in facing the giants, you're not going to see someone actually get pelted or someone curse someone out or a witch come up or you know these kind of movies. You're not going to see all the affairs any of that. But all that is in the Bible. The Bible yeah. is not PG at all. Yeah. But at the same time, the Bible does not condone that. Just because yeah, written, it's able to have Christian characters in a non-Christian story, but that we don't see a lot of that in Christian media. Yeah. yeah, and I think the key to writing those scenes into into film is writing them tastefully, but remembering that you know keeping the principle in mind to not tempt your brother to do wrong. Mm-hmm. 
you want to write it in a way that reveals what's going on that is honest, but does not tempt people and make them think and dwell on it to the point that it bothers them or dwell on it to the point where they think, oh, yeah, that's fine. That's totally fine. Yeah. It happened in this movie, so. Yeah, that's something Passion of the Christ did really well, actually. Just as a yeah. movie. Like, it, it, it made it very real, but it didn't, I don't feel like it crossed any major lines. Yeah. That's what, uh, see, when you think about successful Christian I mean, I think the nudity at the end was kind of pushing it, but, you know, other than that, I I thought it was fine. So, when we think about successful Christian movies, what comes to mind in recent years? Passion of the Christ. What do you mean in recent years? Recent years? That was a long time ago. I literally, like, yeah, God's not dead, too. That's it. God's not dead. They're awful. It's bad. (laughs) I think it did one thing really well, though. It did not shy away from the fact that atheists exist and can be very vocal about that. Yeah, I, I wish everything else was real super real on the atheists. nose. Yeah, a lot of their portrayal of atheism is just not accurate at all. The whole like, professors just don't really act like that. It's just involved. Yeah. But the concept, at least, was the closest we've seen to something that could have been just acknowledging a real pushed a move mm-hmm. in the same and then thing at, as the, at the same time though you also have to take in mind people are different and some people react that way some people don't speak like yeah. what we deem as normal or natural i um, definitely so did know sometimes you definitely have to you have to take the um you, you just have to trust in the Lord, really. I mean, that's, that's my key to, to writing is I, I trust in the Lord. And then I, I think another important thing to writing anything good is showing it to friends and saying, feel free to just tear it apart. If I don't see any red ink on this when I get it back, I will be very, very surprised. And I will probably say, read it again. <laughs> yeah. Stephen King writes a book about writing. And he says, uh, you, you pick, he said, like, three or five friends, and you're writing whatever you're writing, you're writing it to them the whole time. You're thinking they're the ones who are going to read this story. And you give it to them to edit and come back. And when everybody else reads it, it will also be for them. But because mm-hmm. you had these people in mind, you're constantly aware of how people are going to read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think the key there is you don't have, he said, you know, three to five friends. I don't think. Did he specify, like, if they wrote or not? No. One, oh, one of them was his wife, which oh, was nice. interesting. But she she also was a big writer, it turns out. She yeah, just didn't great. get as popular. She just loved it. Huh. Yeah, I do kind of a, a similar thing. Like, when I write a script, I'll send it to a friend that I know is a good writer, and then I'll send it to somebody who doesn't write, and I'll ask what they think about it. Um, because, you know, ultimately... Most people don't, you know, write movies on a regular basis or short films or yeah. stories or, or things like that. They might in their spare time, but I kind of wanna... part, you know, people the the average person doesn't make movies, but that, they watch it and they know what's correct. good. And they, not no, they know I, I what's all the time. good. You know, I don't have a helicopter license, but if I saw a helicopter hanging in a tree. I don't think I need a license to know that something went wrong. You'd be surprised. <laughs> no, I uh, 
I do want to now that now now that we're wrapping up, I want to jump ahead to the unity part of all that. Oh yeah, yeah, but uh, because I I do think a lot of what what we're talking about here, a lot of it does come down to a huge part of the church is very anti Hollywood, which they take to mean anti media, and a large part of you know Hollywood or media is almost just oh that's a Christian movie can't be any good. Which, it does create problems. Like, it, it's going to be hard for you to get good actors in a Christian movie because because of that kind of tension that already exists. Yeah, that's what I thought was really interesting about the Godzilla King of the Monsters reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. One of the critics, because it has a pretty low critical review score on Rotten it's Tomatoes. It's amazing, though. Great movie. One of the re- critics said they didn't like the fact that they were religious overtones. What? What religious overtones? Well, there are. Okay, but like... But they thought that was a problem. Oh, the cross of that one scene that was there for a lot of the movie. I forgot about that. It just didn't seem as... Yeah. But that's know. something that some Hollywood critics think of oh, religion. Goodness. That's bad. You know, we can't have that in our, our movie. Yeah, and it, it it does go both ways, though. Like, you know, I, I grew up hearing all secular music was bad. And it wasn't until I, like, went to college that I even bothered questioning that shit. You listen to secular music? But, you know, like, a, a lot of my, um, even my own family are just anti-anything. Taylor Swift, you can never listen to Taylor Swift. How dare you? You know? And, I mean, and it goes outside of music. It goes, you know, movies, whatever. So because of that tension, I think it's hard to make good Christian movies, and I think it's difficult for most Christians to see maybe blatant Christian values they could pick up in other movies, like what we talked about in Frozen. You know, I don't think most Christians see that. Or Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, honestly. But um, how how do we go about kind of addressing some of this tension? How, How does your average Christian Susan... What what can she do to kind of address that situation? Well, um, to bring about the unity of this, and we have to remember that number one, you know, God is creative. His word is very dramatic, but at the same time, you know. How does a Christian, I'm going to relate it to navigating the industry, you know, what did Jesus say about how people would know that they are his disciples? They would love one another. Yes. That you have love. And you have to approach this with love. Um, And to see better drama, honestly, it takes being honest with yourself, remembering that it is not about you and what you create. It is not about your voice. It is about the Lord's leading when you act. Okay, but and average... it is important to re- realize that you know, if we're going to I'm sorry. Uh, you were saying? Oh, no, you're good. I, I was just in, uh, 
average John or Susan who isn't in theater, you know, they go to church. Is is there anything that they can do to their support good Christian media or address the whole tension we have with Hollywood? Like, is there something applicable that they can go out and do, like, right now? Hmm. Should they go watch Godzilla? <laughs> yes. Um, they can, you know, a average Christian Susan can always bring every thought into captivity before God to not watch things blindly. But notice, notice what people do. Just paying attention, you know, it's, it's basically people watching. I mean, we all do that. No, I know. And if you don't, I think you're a, and if you say you don't, I think you're a complete liar because everybody. <laughs> no, no, I work in the mall. There's no way for me to ever watch people. <laughs> yeah, in a mall, nobody watches people. Yeah, no, it's impossible. Yeah, it's impossible. Nobody there. I mean, how do you even do that? Um. But yeah, everybody can bring every thought into captivity before God. When you watch a movie, don't let them blindly feed their principles into you. Right. Um, you can always watch and see what people are doing because there are subliminal messages, whether whether you want to believe it or not, I do believe everybody thinks of the subliminal messages that end up in, in their movies. Right. Um, I've heard people say, there's no way they thought that when they were writing. I think that's not true. It sounds like you're not a writer. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, basically just turning your brain on. Mm-hmm. Everybody, can, everybody can do that. Be intentional. You don't have to be a writer your to favorite notice person. how somebody is speaking to you. Yeah, yeah. We all understand when somebody's being sarcastic, you know, some people at different levels, but, you know, we all, we all can generally, for the most part, pick up in some form when somebody's kidding with us. You know, that doesn't take an enormous acting or writing ability. Yeah. And I want to say, uh, there's two sides to that coin. Yeah. Don't let them sneak their values into you with the subliminal messages, but also, Intentionally be aware of when there are good Christian values in the movie. One thing that, uh, you know, you know, her kids always complain about it, but Miss Christie, we would go watch like Avengers and afterwards she'd be like, what do you think about these underlining principles and how it relates to the Bible? You know, like she doesn't say it like that, but like she lays it out and makes you think like biblically, what does this movie say? And I think that's a good way to watch movies. I mean, I know it's can be annoying for some people, but I think it, I think it helps a lot to understand your Christian values in that lens. So, Chandler, uh, what do you think we will see change if the average Christian man or woman starts Susan. intentionally Susan is doing start, it. <laughs> starts intentionally watching their movies and thinking about what it means? And what do you think will happen if you know the writers put more genuine effort into their movies, their writing, writing? Right? <laughs> yeah. I think what do you think we to see an explosion of creativity in the world of Christian art? Um, I think that, you know, we will start because a lot of, a lot of people don't realize why are there so many remakes and reboots of things? It's because we are telling Hollywood with our wallet what we want to see. Mm-hmm. 
So I think the more we do that, we're going to tell the people who create movies, this is what we want to see. And I think, you know, especially in, in the world of, uh, Christian entertainment, we want to make sure that we are not, you know, basically trying to cause strife, but following Christ is not an easy thing. I mean, some of the most faithful men suffered a lot of horrible things. And some of the most faithful women had suffered a lot of horrible things, but at the same time, there were also a lot of great things that they, that they went through. I mean, look, look at Esther. That's a prime example. <laughs> so I think we'll see an explosion of, um, and a great, a great shift in the kind of movies that are produced and in the attitude overall of the arts and what they communicate in in the church and out of the church. Fun thing for everybody to do now. A lot of people like the Book of Esther should have been named Mordecai because, you know, what it was written, it didn't happen then. Everybody should read that book and decide who they think the main character is, because I think that's amusing. So, I still think it's Esther. Yeah. Thank you, Chandler. Uh, as part of our wrap-up, we like to do what we call the God Moment of the Week. It, it's almost never of the week. <laughs> we like to try to make it of the week. Uh, it can be from whenever. But it's of the week for our listeners, usually. Yeah. So we'll start. It's just a moment in which you saw God at work. Yeah. I'll go ahead and start. Like a month ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, we were leaving the recording with, uh, Reverend Tino Kennedy mm-hmm. and, uh, saw a train. I got excited because you know, the trains. <laughs> and I was like, ah, God bless. This is such a good, blessed moment. It was already a good day. And then I noticed it was a double train. There yeah. was a train going both ways. It was fantastic on the bridge that we were going under. You know, I just felt very blessed from that. Yeah. And that might seem very small to most people, <laughs> but for me, it can be that small. It's for me, it was just huge. I was like, oh, you just have to. I don't be know if I've ever seen a double train before. Ginormous fan of trains. Seeing two at once is pretty awesome. Yeah, mine very happy. Yeah, my god moment of the week was, as it usually tends to be, uh, <laughs> about friendship. I thought it was going to be about hockey. Oh, well, I'll get there. <laughs> but uh, my friend Jason, uh, we went to school together briefly, and uh, he had to leave and move to West Virginia. Uh, he visits sometimes, at which, you know, we have to drop everything and go hang out with Jason. Obviously. Glad to do it. Love to do it. And that was this this weekend, actually. He's visiting now, and I'm here instead of there, unfortunately. But... He came, and he got to witness us playing uh, a vintage stick table hockey game. Uh, and he's not a fan is. of hockey. But, uh... There's yeah, a hockey in this we were, we were blessed enough to be able to sit down with five of us and all really legitimately enjoy playing this 60-year-old game. And it was, yeah, it was just really nice. Be able to see not just him, but all the other people that I just don't get to see enough enjoy such an old, old game together. It's good times. And, uh, Chandler, how about you? You have a God moment in the last week or however long that no one will know wasn't a week ago? 
Oh boy. Um, <laughs> I am very, oh my goodness. I'm so blessed in, in that kind of area because, uh, there are some amazing things that I've, I've witnessed God do, um, both big and, and small. I would say you know, one amazing thing happened last year that I keep, I keep citing and, even even down to a month ago, it's, it's amazing what God does with the weather. Um, I was out one Sunday in the park just reading my Bible, and I said, God, will you just lead me to the verses that you want me to read today? And it was relatively windy, um, but it was kind of unpredictable. But some crazy things happened. The wind was flipping my Bible pages. And even when the wind was strong, the pages would not flip until I finished reading certain verses. And then they would flip. And then I, um, so then I decided, huh, this is weird. So I'm going to try and flip it back to flip it to a different page. Flip back to that, to the first page that I was on. Try it again. Happened again. Then I decided to turn the opposite way so that my Bible was facing the opposite. So that way, if the wind kept blowing, it would blow the pages in the opposite direction. The wrong way. Wind flipped directions on me. I kid you not. And then I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yes, sir. I'll read the passage. That was amazing. Uh, uh, well, I'll carry that with me through throughout my whole life. I pray I never forget that. That is crazy. What was the passage? I don't remember. It was a series Man. of verses. Um, I was I was feeling rather discouraged that day, and mm. God was was um, it was that that whole month um was rather tough. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you know, like in in the Book of Jude, it says you have to earnestly contend for the faith. Contend is a word that you hear in that I've heard a lot in professional fighting. So it's something you got to fight for. Faith is something that you have to like intentionally seek out and fight for and pray for it. Um, it is a gift from God, but you have to like seek it out and ask for it. Um, and it doesn't come the same way every time. You know, you you just have to have to pursue after it you know, and trust that God will give you the faith, and He will every yeah. time. Thank you, John. Um, Thank you, we got to do an outro. Then we got one last segment we do after we close, just for our Patreon listeners. So, um, if they support us, they can hear that. If they don't, they're just going to hear us do this outro right now. Right. Do, 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 do. Bob. So, thank you guys for listening. Uh, please remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Also, remember to run Hostile Takeover on yeah. Twitter. We're awful at it. Please just do it for us. Yeah. We, uh, uh, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Consider it heavily. Consider having your parents support us on Patreon if you're young. Uh, uh, follow us on Spotify, iTunes, uh, sorry, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Stitcher, Mixer, uh, everything. Yeah. We're all Anchor. We're all good podcast church podcast. And, uh, we, we actually come up immediately. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, and just Google us. Yeah. So, uh, let us know. Uh, what you think about the show? Give us some feedback at 
thewholechurch at gmail.com. Not the whole church podcast, just the whole church at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, we like reading feedback, so send us yeah. some so I have something to read. Just call us, text us, let us know what you think. If you have our information. Call us, beep us if you want to reach us. Dun, dun. Okay. Kim Costello. Yeah. So, uh, who are some future guests we're going to have, Joshua? Disney plus Kim Possible. Yeah, we're going to have Kim Possible. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, Sister Rose. <laughs> Thank you, Rock. <laughs> we're going to have Sister Rose from UNCW. Rufus. Uh, Rufus, of Thank course. Thank you, Rufus. <laughs> Thank you, Rufus. <laughs> uh, we're going to have Brother Jeff White. Of course. And Reverend Kino Kennedy. Kino Kennedy. my brother. Second episode. Yeah. That and all. We're going to be talking about Calvinism and Arminianism. I'm excited for that. Yeah. And uh, at the end of the season, we're going to have Francis, Francis Chen, who just uh, isn't, isn't aware of that yet. He just doesn't know he's going to be on the show yet. Yeah, he'll figure it out. Problem. Maybe. Yeah. Soon. Eventually. So, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, this has been the Chandler Goodrich episode. With your hosts, By the River Tiber. God is gracious. Yeah. And uh, Savior who is like God. Mm-hmm. Christmas, of course. Yeah. Do 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 do. Bob. <laughs>